Thank you for watching NTD Business coming up tonight. Possible mass layoffs on the way at Twitter as new owner Elon Musk tries to turn a profit at the company has lost money in 10 of the past 12 years what stands in his way. It seems like the U.S. labor market not getting the memo from the Fed. The new jobs report still shows a robust market. And the Fed's latest rate hike costing credit card holders billions of dollars in interest over the next year. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. Our top story today on Elon Musk and Twitter. Possibly mass layoffs at Twitter. Twitter temporarily closed its offices and cut workers' access to internal systems after reportedly telling employees they would be informed by email about whether they were being let go. An internal message reportedly says, quote, Team, in an effort to place Twitter on a healthy path, we will go through the difficult process of reducing our global workforce on Friday. And in response, several employees have filed a class action lawsuit alleging that Twitter violated the law, which requires big employers give 60 days written notice before a mass layoff. Elon Musk is under pressure to save costs. He says Twitter has had a massive drop in revenue because of activist groups. He discussed this at the Barron Funds Conference in New York City. We recently had a lot of difficulty with um, uh, activist groups uh, pressuring uh, major advertisers to stop spending money on Twitter. Um, This is despite us doing everything possible to appease them um, and to make it clear that moderation rules and hateful conduct rules have not changed uh, and we're continuing to enforce them. Um, A number of major advertisers have stopped spending on Twitter. Um, So this, but this is, this doesn't seem right because um, we've made no change in our operations at all. Elon Musk is on a mission to save Twitter. The company has many problems. It's failed to generate a profit for 10 of the past 12 years. Advertisers are leaving the tech sector and advertising is Twitter's primary source of revenue. Analysts also estimate Musk has to pay a whopping $1 billion in interest payments every single year. This is because Musk borrowed super heavily to buy the company. In addition, Musk owes employees for stock that would have vested if Twitter remained public. The company itself is completely unable to pay for all this. Just last year, it had negative free cash flow. Now, free cash flow is the amount of money a company owns completely. Musk could potentially have to use his personal money. But most of his net worth is tied up in Tesla stock, and Tesla stock has been dropping in value for months. Making his mission even more challenging, advertisers are leaving. General Mills has joined the big list of companies that are pausing their Twitter ads. General Mills, you know, the company that makes all the cereal. Others include Audi, Volkswagen, General Motors, and Pfizer. A big advertiser exodus could mean serious trouble because Twitter makes 90% of its money through advertising. The main thing Musk has done so far to get more revenue is introduce an $8 a month system for Twitter Blue. People who pay will be allowed to have a blue check mark next to their name as well as other special features. The head of research at Manhattan Venture Partners, Santosh Rao, says Twitter Blue will have no way to compete with Twitter's ad revenue. They have an advertising model and they're layering in a subscription model. So it's, it'll take some time. I don't think they, it'll overtake the money from advertising, but it'll be a good complement or supplement to 
the core revenue source, which is advertising. There's one projection that puts potential subscription revenue at four to five percent of advertising revenue. This is unlikely to contribute much to the one billion dollar annual payments. And not just that, the eight dollar a month subscription system may be a liability to Twitter. Business professor Nicholas Creel suggests it may actually hurt rather than help. Only about 10% of Twitter users generate the vast majority of Twitter content, and most of those are the blue check marks. And so essentially, you can kind of think of it as this. Twitter requires those blue check marks to put their tweets out because that's the content that people come to Twitter to consume. So what they're doing is they're actually charging content creators to create content in a way that, that almost would be equivalent of charging your employees to show up to work. Now, Creel believes a lot of people with blue check marks won't want to pay. Those who do pay, he thinks, will be the people who want to sell something on the platform. He believes this will change the website's overall content into something more sales-based. The worst case scenario is probably that Twitter just dies a slow death financially. Uh, we could potentially see it over the period of years with it not being able to make its debt service payments and having to scurry for money under the mattresses, meaning Musk having to sell some of his Tesla stock to pay for the debt, most likely. Uh, it, it's one of those things to where we're just going to continue seeing it become an anemic version of itself, with fewer and fewer, fewer people going to it for content and itself on paper becoming just a hollow shell of its former self. It's unclear how Musk will make these debt payments or bring in profit for Twitter. He's hidden at integrating it into X, the everything app. Or he may be entirely uninterested in making a profit. Maybe he just wants to have free speech in the biggest town square. But even though Musk faces many challenges, Santosh Rao, the head of research at Manhattan Venture Partners, is still betting he will accomplish his mission. Hope he can succeed. It's a tough task. But uh, right now, I think uh, I just going by his past uh, and the job he's done with SpaceX, with Tesla and so many other things, uh, I think he can really create something here if it's done the right way. And um, we'll wait and see. Meanwhile, in an ongoing Twitter poll, Musk asked whether advertisers should support either freedom of speech or political correctness. Majority chose freedom of speech. And moving on, the U.S. economy saw a rise in jobs last month. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, 261,000 positions were added in October. Today's monthly report also showed the U.S. unemployment rate rose to 3.7 percent. The total job gains were higher than expected. Despite the increase in jobs last month, some economists still fear a recession is looming. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell says the U.S. might need to lose jobs, actually, if inflation remains out of control. But as of now, the Fed's repeated interest rate hikes haven't stopped employers from hiring workers. And earlier today, I spoke with Dallas Regional VP at labor consulting firm Robert Half about this new jobs report. Here's what he said. Thomas, great to have you here. Now, I want to ask you, why is it, despite the, the Fed's tightening recession concerns and economic uncertainty, the, the labor market seems to remain robust? Yeah, the labor market's still extremely robust. Um, we see 260,000 jobs added for last month. You still have unemployment that's extremely low. For a lot of employers, they're still needing the additional headcount and the additional support. And a lot of companies are still doing very well. So despite the news and what we might hear, 
about companies that are struggling or doing layoffs, those are really on a case by case basis. Whereas the overall job market is still extremely strong and companies still need to hire. And so it continues to be a very good job market. And I'm hearing about, you know, different layoffs at different uh, tech companies. How's the tech sector doing right now? The tech sector is still doing very well. You know, as I said a second ago, these are really on a case by case basis. It happens to be that they're more on isolated situations where some of these tech companies are not doing well. And some of those are the big tech companies. So it makes news and people hear about it. But overall, the tech industry still continues to thrive and do very well as companies continue to move forward with their IT projects. And I, I've noticed a, a sort of possibly a trend of jobs being added going down a little bit compared to you know this month compared to earlier in the year. Is, is, are there any signs to you the job market may be cooling off at all? Not necessarily. I think more so what this is is companies are taking a more measured approach. While they still need to hire, they may not be hiring um, with the same tenacity as they were before, but they're still doing very well and they still know that they need that headcount and they still need to hire. So it's really, I don't think it's so much that it's slowing down drastically. I think it's more of companies taking a measured approach to their hiring. There, there's a recent survey, um, a po possibly 63% chance the U.S. economy will go into a recession. If that happens, what is the job market going to look like? You know, that's hard to say. I mean, I'm not an economist. I'd be careful to speculate on what that's going to look like. But when you look at where we are now and still the fact that there's so many companies doing as well as they are, you know, we, we don't anticipate the job market slowing down that much um, as we go forward. Just one last thing, Thomas. What would your be the biggest advice you could give to uh, employers right now? The biggest advice I would give to employers right now is to really do their research and to really understand that this still is a very tight labor market. And if they need to hire, that they're going in with a very competitive approach to their hiring, that they know what they need to offer, what benefits they should be offering, hybrid work-life flexibility, work-life balance is still um, very top of mind for candidates. So what I would encourage them to do is make sure they do their research ahead of time because it is still a very tight candidate market. All right. Thank you very much, Thomas Vick, Dallas Regional Vice President. Robert Half, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. On to Wall Street. U.S. stocks closed higher today in volatile trade. The Dow rose 402 points or 1 and 3 tenths of a percent. S&P 500 gained 51 points or 1 and 4 tenths of a percent. The Nasdaq added 132 points or 1 and 3 tenths of a percent. Bad news seems like for Americans with outstanding credit card debt. The Fed's latest rate hike will cost them a lot more in interest over the next year. $5 billion worth in total. That's according to personal finance site WalletHub. On Wednesday, the Fed raised interest rates by 75 basis points. Most credit card rates are tied to the Fed's rate. That means when the Fed increases rates, most cardholder rates go up as well. The average interest rate for credit cards is now above 18%. It's the highest level in over 25 years. And it's not just credit card interest rates. Mortgage rates are high too. And high prices, high interest rates are making it difficult for first-time homebuyers. According to the National Association of Realtors, the, the share of first-time homebuyers, among all buyers, dropped to an all-time low. They made up of just 26% of all home purchasers in 2022. It's down 8% from last year. By comparison, in 2010, first-time homebuyers accounted for half, 50% of all buyers. 
Georgians will keep getting a break at the pumps. Governor Brian Kemp announced another extension of the state's suspended gas tax and supply chain state of emergency today. At $3.13 per gallon, the average price of gas in Georgia is currently the lowest in the nation. It's about 66 cents less than the national average. This is the sixth time Governor Kemp has extended the gas tax suspension since he signed the executive order in March. It's now in effect until December 11th. Politicians are making their final push ahead of next week's midterm election showdown. NTD's Jessica Beatty has some of the highlights. In Georgia, the critical Senate race is a toss-up, even though incumbent Democrat Raphael Warnock has outspent his Republican challenger, Herschel Walker. Warnock has raised over $120 million through October 19th. Walker raised about $38 million. Despite raising a lot more, Warnock's numbers are still under 50 percent. Some late polls have even shown a narrow lead for Walker, who's running for the first time. But most political analysts say the race is a toss-up. President Joe Biden kicked off his three-day campaign swing Thursday, visiting New Mexico and California. Everybody talks about a referendum. It's not a referendum. It's a choice. A choice between two fundamentally different versions of America. Historically, the president's party loses seats in the midterms. Biden's now playing defense, trying to hang on to seats his party already holds. He's supporting Democrats in competitive races in areas he easily won in 2020. He'll head to Chicago Friday evening, then he'll visit Pennsylvania Saturday to campaign with former President Barack Obama. In Texas, Republican Governor Greg Abbott focused on immigration Thursday. He touted his strategy of sending illegal border crossers to Democrat strongholds and dropping them off at the home of Vice President Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris started talking about how, listen, the border is really secure. Showing she knew nothing about what was going on. And so I felt an obligation to be involved in the education process. Abbott also mentioned how he hopes Republicans will take back the House of Representatives in the midterms. Over in Florida, Republican Governor Ron DeSantis mentioned President Biden's campaign visit to the state. DeSantis joked that Biden was helping his own campaign rather than his Democrat rivals, Charlie Crist. I said, do I have to declare that as an in-kind contribution to my campaign? Are you telling me he's coming down here and reminding Floridians that the Democrats in this state vote with him 100% of the time? Okay, go ahead and do that. In fact, I've made the offer. Spend the rest of the campaign in Florida. Biden Tuesday cast DeSantis as Donald Trump incarnate. It's his sharpest comment yet against Florida's governor. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. A top lobbyist for Chinese telecom giant Huawei has donated to several Democratic candidates' midterm campaigns. Now, this is a company the federal government deemed as a national security threat and closely linked with the Chinese communist regime. Take a look at the story. Thomas Green is a senior counsel at multinational law firm Sidley Austin and a top lobbyist for Chinese telecom giant Huawei. And he has donated more than $10,000 to eight Democratic campaigns in the past month. This is according to data from Open Secrets, a nonprofit group that tracks political spending. The money went primarily to Democrats facing competitive races in battleground states. The Huawei lobbyists donated $2,000 each to Senator Mark Kelly of Arizona and Senator Raphael Warnock of Georgia, 
$1,500 to Ohio Senate candidate Tim Ryan, another $1,500 to Pennsylvania Senate candidate John Fetterman, $1,000 to Sherry Beasley, who's running for the U.S. Senate in North Carolina, $1,000 to Mandela Barnes, who's running for the U.S. Senate in Wisconsin, another $1,000 to Senator Catherine Cortez Masto of Nevada, and $500 to Maryland congressional candidate Glenn Ivey. Green has helped to lead Huawei's lobbying team since 2019 when the company hired his law firm to lobby for its interests. The Trump administration has designated Huawei as a company of foreign security threat. The Biden administration has also launched its own investigation into Huawei. And the charred remains of a Chinese rocket booster fell back to Earth this morning. The, the rocket was launched October 31st. The U.S. Space Command says it re-entered the atmosphere over the South Central Pacific Ocean. The West is calling it an irresponsible move by the China National Space Administration. And space policy experts say it poses an unnecessary risk. It's the fourth uncontrolled re-entry for the Long March 5B rocket in the last two years. The rocket was designed without any equipment to steer itself to a safe landing. Most rockets now flying today are built with a way to make sure rocket boosters are safely discarded. And Chinese companies have been investing in rare earth minerals in Canada. But now the Canadian government is telling them to leave. NTD's Char Marshall has more. The Canadian government cited reasons of national security in ordering three Chinese companies to exit their investments in critical mining in Canada on Wednesday. Beijing responded by accusing Ottawa of breaking international commerce rules. They said Canada was using national security as a pretext. Well, better late than never, um, but inadequate. Silicon Valley author Ann Bridges is quite familiar with the lithium industry. We spoke about Canada's situation. I think Canada has got a lot of their economy and their labor force in the mining industry, so it's significant for them to protect their natural resources. And I think this is a necessary first step in the global world um, and the conflicts we're living in right now. Chinese state media had this to say about the issue. The Chinese side urges the Canadian side to stop its unreasonable suppression of Chinese companies and provide a fair, just and non-discriminatory business environment for Chinese companies to operate normally in Canada. The Chinese government will continue to firmly safeguard the legitimate rights and interests of its domestic enterprises. Lithium batteries power a growing number of electric cars and electronic devices like cell phones. So the minerals become a powerful natural resource. There are lithium deposits around the world and China has only about, I think, 15 percent uh, of the deposits. And so they have gone and invested in other countries' uh, resources in order to make sure that they can supply their electric vehicle market uh, for their burgeoning mid middle class. They really have committed to EVs and they need to make sure that they can have as much as they can get their hands on. In a statement, Canada's innovation minister said the country welcomes foreign investment, but quote, will act decisively when investments threaten our national security and our critical mineral supply chains. Bridges believes America should be mining its own lithium, though some think it's very bad for the environment. The U.S. needs to take a really hard look at our mineral resources in general, not just to protect them uh, from adversar adversarial 
forces um, or countries, but also to really take a look at why we are not competing in developing our own mineral resources. Shares in Chinese companies dropped on Thursday, but they reported they did not expect a major impact. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And if you, if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us at business at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Still to come after the break, new LEGO Star Wars Adventures out now. We take a look at the newest video game edition. We visit a fair in Paris where hundreds of the best craftsmen from France and abroad share their work. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. A new edition of the LEGO Star Wars video, video game is out now. Looks like it could be interesting. Take a look. Ah! I like this! The galaxy far, far away gets bricker, or rather bigger, in LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga Galactic Edition. Most impressive. The game collects the LEGO recreations of the nine movies in the Skywalker Saga into a single experience, along with 13 playable character packs for even more LEGO minifigures to play as. As various streaming series continue to expand the Star Wars galaxy, so does the game, with expansion packs planned for release later in November, bringing characters from Star Wars Rebels, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Andor, and The Book of Boba Fett to the game. LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga Galactic Edition is available now for current and next-gen game systems as well as PC. Goodness gracious me, this is not the pod you're looking for. And in Paris, the International Heritage Fair at the Louvre brings together some of the best craftsmen from France and abroad. NTD's France correspondent, David Vivez, takes us there. It's a place to encounter cultural heritage. Over 300 exhibitors from France and abroad showcased restored art pieces and their own creations at an annual event at the Louvre. The International Heritage Fair featured craftsmanship such as jewelry, stained glass installation, embroidery, stone cutting, and many more. So this chandelier is made entirely of bronze and weighs a ton. It was made in our workshop in Volapenil, and it's Swarovski crystal. You can see the particularity of Swarovski crystal that it creates a prism of colors. It includes niche crafts where only a few of these craftsmen can be found in France, such as Dominique Flon, who restores century-old clocks. We follow the same process as the creators. My role is to restore pieces that were made between Louis XIV and the 19th century. There are no spare parts, so when things are damaged, we have to produce them made to measure. So basically, if we are doing our job correctly in 2022, it will still work 
and it will continue to show the time. It's extraordinary. Some craftsmen who work at the Versailles Palace were also present. Jean Sablé's family created a school of painting next to the palace. He has taught 500 students who come from across the world to learn how to paint landscapes, ornaments, wood imitations and perspectives. And some of them are now employed at the famous castle for restoration works. Sablé says being in contact with masterpieces such as at Versailles is his passion. It's really a job that allows you to discover magnificent places, to meet people, and also to explore the historical heritage, especially the one we have in France at all the castles. One of his tasks is to dive into old techniques and the painting's stories from the past. It's really essential to immerse oneself in the work of the old masters. It's very important that everything we bring back to the restoration can find its place, can be integrated with authenticity. Above all, one must never disregard the hand of the master. This is really essential. Our work must not be seen. And that's really an ethic that is very rigorous, that is very respectful of the techniques of the past. The fair, which was attended by around 20,000 visitors, will return next year on November 2nd. David Vives, NTD News, Paris. And that's all we have today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter too if you're there. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, email us at business at ntd.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you Monday.